Hello, I'm Michael McMullen. Welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast, where for the very first time this week we have a guest from Estonia, Andres Petrov. Welcome along. Hi. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Well, it's great to have you along. Let's talk about Tallinn, the city I've been to, actually, when you were about four or five years <laughs> old. I was there, and really nice place, the capital of Estonia. That's where you grew up. So what sort of a place was it to grow up in? Uh... I think it's very nice. I actually, I always come. Uh, I always uh, like coming back to Tallinn because obviously it's my hometown. But mm, I feel like it's a really comfortable place to do everything. It's not really big. Uh, well, it's a capital city, but uh, uh, you need like twenty or thirty minutes to move like from one part of town to another. And um, I actually have my table on the other part of town, and if it took me twice as much it could be very difficult mm. to move but uh, yeah um, it's also really beautiful we have really fantastic old town you know, one of the oldest I think it's I don't know around thousand years oh, maybe a bit less but uh, it's uh, yeah it's really nice place the thing I remember about being there in 2001 was that you had all these really old-looking buildings, but also you could see the city was starting to modernise a bit because it was only really about 10 years since it had become independent. Yeah. So has it become a lot more modern since then, or has it retained that character? Uh, well, definitely. I think both. Uh, if we talk about old town, it remained the same almost fully uh, well, as much as I remember it from my childhood, but uh, city center and many other parts of town grew bigger and maybe more beautiful for someone. Um, many more uh, modern buildings, you know, and uh, architecture and stuff. Um, I think it changes every day and we even have a legend. We have a lake uh, called uh, Ulamiste. Uh, and uh, we have a legend that uh, an old man lives there and he comes every year out and asks if Tallinn is finished like building every house and stuff and uh, if you answer yes then the water from the lake comes down and uh, Tallinn is drowned uh, under oh, the right. water yeah but uh, and everyone answers no Tallinn is still building so yeah uh, city is growing bigger all the time like we have some new uh, parts from Tallinn coming uh, to to the city so yeah more houses more people probably coming from everywhere uh, now from some other countries as well yeah that's definitely changing yeah very nice place but it's not a place or a country that's in any way been associated with snooker so how did you discover the game uh first time i saw it on tv it was world championship to 2006 and graham dot graham won dot, it yeah. yeah but probably first match was either neil robertson paul hunter or uh, stephen henry nigel bond i don't remember which one which one was the first but uh, I remember that uh, respotted black bonded that Henry, bond one, yeah, 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 and uh, obviously, probably that was the last match of uh, Paul Hunter. Um, many, many memories of that, and since then, I was like, I was like crazy about the snooker. I was nine years old, then, and uh, I just asked my parents to buy me some VHS uh, cassettes, and I was recording every match that I could, so that I could watch them after school. And um, yeah, uh, I tried to find a place to practice, but we didn't have any tables or if they were, uh, I didn't know about them. So I tried to play pool, I tried to play Russian billiards, but uh, I came to snooker at about 
2009, probably. So how did you do that in the end? Had some snooker clubs opened up in Estonia by then? Yeah, well, uh, one club opened, I think that was the year, 2009, and uh, there were six tables where I actually practiced for seven years. It closed in uh, 2016, uh, so I literally... Almost every day I came there for five or six hours and I just played, played, played snooker. And um, I I had a coach two or three times. Alan Trick coached me um, mm-hmm. for a few times. I also uh, had some classes with PJ Nolan and uh, mm-hmm. Brando Krastev from Bulgaria. Uh, but yeah, Alan is the main impact on me. And so, But I practiced with him probably three or four weeks. All, all, all the other stuff was literally purely my enthusiasm, probably, yeah. It's very unusual to have a professional snooker player who's been to university. I think there have only ever been about two or three that I can think of. Patrick Wallace, who was a World Championship quarter-finalist, was one. But you went to university in Tallinn, so what were you studying there? Uh, I studied youth work. Uh, My father uh, has his uh, summer camp for children, and I literally grew up in summer camp. Uh, We actually have an English pool table there, and uh, it's probably a single... uh, English pool table in whole Estonia mm. and um, since then I do the competitions for children and I have around uh, 100 competitions throughout summer and we have around 200 or 300 uh, players every summer so it's quite nice I think for Estonia it's massive um, they don't really practice pool or snooker but they just enjoy it and uh, I have some students now coming from there growing up to to win some Estonian major snooker titles and one of them was coming with me to European Championship this year so that's a big improvement to Estonian snooker I think. Does that take a bit of pressure off you Andres because most guys when they turn pro if it doesn't work out for them they've no idea what they'll do for the rest of their life but it sounds like you have a backup plan and if the snooker doesn't work out you've got something else to go to so that that must help a bit. Uh, well uh, yes and no I mean uh, in Estonia you don't have really big public to uh who wants to practice snooker you know they they like to play or i don't know play each other but uh, not really many people want to practice or practice hard you know they can take one or two lessons per year but not really consistently and uh, but and even the fact that you have a university degree i mean that's yeah. obviously going to give you options in yeah, life yeah yeah definitely uh but uh, i would say it uh, like this that uh, uh the thing that i started in university the youth work it's more like uh, something that i like to do i like to work with children with the young people uh I do it in summer camp, obviously. Now I have a little less time. This summer I didn't really work there because I had to. I, pl- I had Europeans. I had to practice to my bigger major events, uh, professional events, and uh, I had my daughter born, so I literally had no time. But yeah, well, uh, the work continues all the time. I'm in Estonia, either throughout the internet or some other way. But yeah. And those things you mentioned, the European Championship and your daughter being born, they're all things we're going to talk about because it has been such an eventful year for you. But just going back a bit before we get to all that, when you started to play in international amateur events outside Estonia, what kind of level were you at in terms of the other players? Were you surprised how well you were doing or was it harder than you thought it was going to be? Well, obviously, when I came to my first Europeans in 2012 in Latvia, uh, I expected that my level is nowhere near uh, it should be to compete there but uh, I qualified to playoffs I made my 
highest break at that moment it was 77 before that I barely had some 60s or 50s uh, but yeah, yeah, I made 77, I remember it quite well, and uh, I think I performed well considering my level at that moment. Um, and yeah, I felt like I know what can I do, and I know that I can improve to beat these guys, beat most of them. So yeah, I just continued practicing. Next year I had my first uh, coaching with Alan Trigg, and... Uh, after that, in 2014, I made my first two centuries in Europeans. Uh, these were obviously first centuries for Estonia, which was huge, mm -hmm. I think, for both country and me. And uh, yeah, after that, uh, I just started playing better. I started believing myself, as Alan told me, it was 2013, that uh, whether I become pro or not is not a question, it's a matter of time. And I just tried to believe it. It was difficult at some point because uh, I had won uh, European finals when I was really close to becoming pro and mm -hmm. after that I had like huge I can't call it depression but it was tough for a few years it was really tough to um, to live with with the thought that I was so close and I know I can repeat it but it just doesn't come it doesn't come I keep keep losing while I play well in practice but it just didn't come in tournaments and uh, I just tried to try to believe it was at some point I felt like well I think I'm done and everyone told me well probably he's done and I started believing it but yeah as I said this year was was a big difference. Actually, it started last year when I when I won six reds Europeans. Mm, yeah. It was my first first tournament uh, after pandemic started. So for literally almost two years, I didn't play any tournament outside Estonia, and it was probably about two or three tournaments in Estonia, which is nothing throughout two years. So I literally, I literally came to to Portugal and uh, I won the first competition which I participated in. It lasted one day. I had around eight or nine matches throughout uh, the day, and when next morning I won uh, the final, like playing fluently, like clearing up, and um, I won five nil, I think, the final. Of this the is the six rates. Yeah, six yeah. rates. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at that moment, I felt like, well, I think I have the game to. Uh, to bring it to to the main events to qualify, I just need to feel feel this, how to say, um, feel comfortable, just feel balanced. Everything in life should be balanced. Uh, well, obviously we had hard time throughout pandemic and now uh, with what is going on in the world, and uh, it is really tough to find this balance inside your head and inside your heart, and uh, probably all things just came came up at the same moment with daughter and uh, with my mentality and uh, yeah it's interesting what you're saying because there are a lot of players who are dominant really in their own country on the amateur scene there particularly from smaller snooker nations shall we say then they go to play in these international competitions and they find they just can't cope with us but it sounds like you have gone the other way it sounds as if by playing in these tournaments and playing against a higher standard of players that's made you a better player as well yeah, definitely. And uh, well, I I always thought when when I came to any tournaments, I I played some pro events before. I played uh, Riga Open a few times. Mm, yeah. Then it became Riga Masters, and I had some good wins. I beat uh, Rod Lawler when he was like top thirty five in the world, and I 
I also beat some other uh, other professional players, and uh, I just felt that well, I can play. I can. I have my aggressive style. Um, wh- when I feel comfortable, I can. I can do anything on the table. But I just need to bring it. Uh, bring it to the table at at the most important uh, moments. Um, and well, I think that uh, I managed to do that throughout this last last year. Uh, well, all. All my amateur events, which I participated, I played quite well. I actually had only the six reds and the main event last year. Then I had one Q tour where I I played quite well. I I lost. I don't don't even remember who I lost to, but uh, I didn't play bad. That was the main thing because uh, before that, as I said, after 2017 when I got to the finals, uh, I had like around three years when I felt that I come to the table and I can't play good. I just couldn't play good and uh, I played pretty nice in the practice. I made centuries and uh, like what, whatever I can do at the table. But when I came to the tournaments, it just wasn't there any, any time. I just felt like, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Like maybe I shouldn't play anymore because I just cannot bring it there. But yeah, that's, that definitely changed lately. Well, let's talk about the big change, which was becoming a winner at the European Championship in Albania earlier this year. Going there, how did you feel about things? Did you see yourself as one of the big contenders to win it? Uh, well, uh, if I start with uh, 2022, I had uh, some other events before that which I was meant to go to, but every time something happened, either it was storm in the UK and my flight didn't go out or... Uh, anything my wife didn't feel well uh, some other stuff and uh, I just didn't play any single event throughout 2022 before Europeans while I had like WSF I had to go there uh, some Q tour events Q school and something stopped me and uh, at some point my wife said well maybe it is meant to be for you and Europeans maybe uh, I see you as a winner and well before the tournament a week before a tournament two days before the tournament I couldn't expect myself anywhere near. My my level was never close to my best. I didn't really practice because I I had to earn money. I had to teach someone. I had to do to do stuff, you know, to to uh, to get the money. And uh, I didn't really practice. I practiced uh, I practiced as much as I could, but uh, it was nowhere near what I needed to do. So maybe because I had zero or even less expectations of myself mm-hmm. i just came there and played and probably it, it was either my first match or my second match in the group stage when i played liam davis uh who just won under 18 europeans and obviously one of the best amateur players mm-hmm, in the world sure. and uh the the fact that i was reigning six reds champion and he was reigning under 18 champion and uh, we were put on the only table in the building which didn't have live streaming. There was like 19 tables and only one didn't have it. And we played on it. And I was thinking, how the hell is that possible? Like, okay, even if it's not about me, he's such a great player at the moment. How can he not be on the TV table? And uh, well, that probably motivated me. And I had tough match. Uh, at some point I was like, 2-1 up in a best of five and he was on the break of 50 something and I felt like well probably I'm gonna lose this match and I don't have a game I don't have a mindset to win and then just at some point it clicked in my head and I won that frame then I easily won the decider and uh, since then I was just different person 
It's funny how often that happens when someone has a breakthrough win, that there's a match like that along the way yeah. that's close and they win, and that sets them on their way. So when you get to the final then, I mean, how well were you having to play to win these matches? Because the European amateur scene is just getting stronger and stronger now. It's so yeah. tough to win those tournaments. Yeah, uh, when I when I saw my draw, I, I saw that if I get to the quarters, I didn't get past last 32 since my final. So that was my psychological wall, probably. And uh, then I saw my draw, I saw that I have either Robin Hull or Julian Boyko in quarterfinal, I thought, well, uh, both are ex-pros, both are playing really nice, they both made few centuries, few big breaks, you know, they beat everyone easily, and I felt like, well, I have I have really tough draw, even if I get to, to quarters, then I need to perform as well as... Uh, my best game you know and uh, then Julian beat Robin 4-0 like in 30 minutes probably and I felt well he's in great form and uh, then I came out and uh, I played really nice uh, I didn't have big breaks but I felt as confident as my best matches and uh, when I beat him when I beat him 4-1 in quarters that was the moment I felt well now I have a chance. Now I really have a chance. Before that, I didn't really even think about winning Europeans. I just played like, well, uh, they are all either ex-pros or someone. They are favorites to win. What did I do before that to be favorite? Nothing really. I just enjoyed myself at the table. And then when I got to semis, and then uh, I knew that uh, Ben Mertens already qualified and he was in different semi, I thought, well, if he wins now this semi and I win my semi, then most probably I'm a pro already. In not needing to win the final um, and then uh, during my match during my semi uh, he won his semi on the other table and that was just before my my last break in last frame I was 3-2 up and I was like 17 points ahead and then I see that Ben wins in the decider he was behind like 2-0 and 3-2 and in the deciding frame he was far behind and throughout the match, I was thinking, well, I need to win this one, then I need to win the final. It was a tough moment, yeah, but when I saw that I only need one good break to become a pro, and then I saw that my opponent leaves me easy red with red reds uh, wide open all over the table, I just thought, well, now I need to focus really hard just not to make stupid mistakes. And uh, I made some... I don't know, 50, 55, something, but it was probably the toughest break of my life. While, while it was actually quite easy, everything was open. I didn't need to make any cannons, anything, uh, but I just, every shot, my hands were shaking, I don't know, as a leaf on a tree uh, in the storm. But uh, I was just thinking, well, I just need to pull this ball and make good position this ball make good position and every shot was like this and uh, I, I just when when I came through actually uh, I remember I potted a double uh, my, my match ball was a double when uh, my opponent already needed snookers and when I came to the table I was saying please drop please drop please drop and when it dropped I was just like hell yeah uh, I don't know how it happened but yeah it was it was probably easier in the final because I just knew that if I came through what I came through last match, then I can do anything. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It must give you great confidence that you yeah. had that so much in your head, what it meant, and you were still able to stand up to that and play your yeah. best snooker. So that's going to stand to you. And what was it like then when you won the final? Because as you said, you'd been doing well in these tournaments, and now you'd won the European Amateur Championship. A huge thing to achieve. Yeah, uh, at that very moment, it, 
it didn't really look like it because uh, when when you watch it from from I don't know when you just watch the final happening and someone wins it it feels like well that's a great achievement when you do it yourself it feels like well did I really do that what's going on like uh, I don't know it it feels really strange and uh, at at the moment when when I became the pro I I just I just couldn't hold myself it was like it it meant so much and. Uh, I really didn't expect it to happen. I wasn't even close as I thought about myself. So when when it happened, it was it was really insane. I I just felt like that is it going on with me really? Um, it's yeah. something actually a lot of champions say in a lot of sports when they have a big moment like that. They say very similar things. But it was a bit of a Neil Robertson situation because I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but when Neil won the world championship, he became a dad almost immediately after it. And it was the same with you after you won the European Amateur Championship. And you have a little daughter now, so how's all that going? Congratulations, by the yeah, way. Thank you very much. Uh, everything's everything's perfect. And uh, it definitely motivated me. Uh, even my, uh, my sponsor and my wife and all my family told me that uh, they could see it from my face when, when they watched uh, my matches live uh, from Europeans. Uh, they told me that it it was clearly seen on my face that I look different to what I did before, uh, because it, yeah, I watched my my semi and my final, and uh, I felt so focused to me when I watched myself. I didn't feel it obviously because I couldn't see myself, but uh, yeah, it, it it looked so different, and probably probably the fact that uh, I was getting a daughter uh, just uh, just changed me and uh, made me focus much harder than I could probably. So busy year, you win the European Championship, you become a dad and now you're in your first season on the tour, which we'll talk about in a moment. But first we're going to have the quickfire round, which is just where I throw a few things at you and you say whatever you think, just to give us a bit more of a sense of the yeah. sort of person you are. Your favourite song? Backstreet Boys, everybody. The best place you've ever been to? Portugal Europeans this year oh no last year yeah last year when I won six reds Portugal yeah your favorite movie Harry Potter any the best thing so far about being a professional snooker player the fact that when my daughter grows up she knows what her father has done to both as a person and for for the country and I know I can ask you this because you've been a student and you've been to university. Your favourite book? Harry Potter. Harry Potter again. Okay. Well, let's hope you'll be able to produce some magic on the table in your first season on the tour. So let's talk about that. And you've had a big moment already. You played the defending champion, Mark Williams, on the main stage in the British Open. So how was that whole experience for you? Oh, <laughs> first two frames, I was shaking so much. I just couldn't couldn't cope with that uh, I didn't know what to do but at some point I just something changed in my head and I just started playing uh, I was far far from my best probably mark as well but uh, all the venue and all I don't know all the lights all the people around it it felt amazing it felt very different to what I experienced normally and uh, at some point I felt really uncomfortable I was thinking about well uh, I should move like I shouldn't drop or something I don't know uh, fall down or something I should look uh, how to say I shouldn't 
touch my face and stuff because you obviously you got the cameras the, there and you're afraid of what they're going to yeah, show yeah yeah first first 10 or 15 minutes i was just thinking about such things and obviously shouldn't do that but it comes with experience uh but uh, uh but what I, what can i say it's um i enjoyed every moment and i'm happy that uh, my first tv table match happened against mark because he's such a nice person yeah probably couldn't expect any anything more i think most people most players feel like that the first time they go out in front of the camera so it isn't unusual by any means but what would you say about the overall experience so far because it's not like you've been going out and getting hammered in matches you know you've you've put up a, a decent show so things going reasonably well so far yeah well uh i try hard it, it, it it's always uh, also hard because uh, uh i didn't really have a lot of time to practice throughout these few months and uh i started really practicing hard probably from from the beginning of september and um uh yeah uh i i try to bring my best game and uh, st- i i still feel like uh, i have much more to show and much more to do here uh i think that uh, the spectators and my family have something to expect from me uh, in the next few months i hope so well, it's going to be exciting to see how you get on but you're not based in the uk are you you're traveling back and forth yeah yeah uh, i was thinking about moving to uk um uh, from september but uh, as i uh, as i got a child and uh, i know that uh, my wife needs uh, much more support from uh, from our families our parents and obviously we cannot move uh, all together you know uh, and also we have a little dog which uh, makes it even more difficult to move here uh, because there are some some travel restrictions we cannot fly uh, via plane to UK with a with a dog and uh, to drive a car for like thirty or something hours. Mm. Uh, it's it's quite tough. Every everything is like I was just uh, thinking about what is uh, uh, what is the best option. I don't have a good option to choose from. Like I just need to decide what is better to me. I I obviously come for for some time to some academy, probably Victoria Academy, um, between some tournaments when there is like a week between them, uh, maybe before UK Championship. But uh, yeah, it's it's a tough decision and uh, I'm somewhere in between now. Do you think eventually, Andres, if you're going to make a long-term career out of snooker, that you and your family will have to base yourselves in the UK full-time? Probably it will be easier when, uh, when our daughter is a bit older and... Uh, We'll see how things will be going on, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, obviously I I love to stay in Estonia. Uh, I I love my hometown. I love meeting my friends. Uh, of course, I will need to to think about what what is best for family, for career, for stuff. And uh, um, yeah, I think it will be difficult to to choose throughout my whole career but I will have to cope with that and do something so yeah we'll see and you've only just turned 26 so you can have many many years on the circuit still in front of you how good do you feel you can be do you see yourself as someone who's got the potential to be a tournament winner a top 16 player where are your aims uh, I think I think I can be as good as anyone I think uh, I hope I can be as good as anyone uh, I, I don't I don't want to put myself any barriers, but I want to put myself goals. Uh, 
Uh, I obviously want to be in uh, top 64 in two years. I feel like I can be in top 32, but if I can be at top 32, then I can be in top 16 as well. Uh, I have such examples of Jordan Brown and uh, uh, anyone else who won their first tournaments, even being uh, older than me and uh, have, having long amateur careers, being in on pro circuit for some time. Uh, and I just, I have, I have some friends like Alex Hertzenbacher, who's who, who beat Ronnie lately, a uh, few times now. Uh, I mean, um, I have few good examples, and I feel like I can, I can do that as well. I can do if, either that or or more, maybe less. I don't want to put myself any any barriers. Well, you're just at the very start of your career. It's an exciting time for you. And it's exciting for us as well to have someone from a new, unfamiliar snooker country on the tour. So everyone wishes you all the very best. And we look forward to seeing what the years ahead hold in store for you. Thanks so much for joining us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Thank you very much. Next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast, so much to cover with Neil Folds. Now known primarily for his TV work, in his playing days, he was a ranking tournament winner. I managed to beat Cliff, who, you know... Someone I thought was going to be a virtually impossible task beating someone so so granite as him. But as I say, I think I went into it all just not. I didn't feel under any pressure. I think that came later on in my career when I, when I had already won things. When you start to see the world differently, but I, I was on a bit of a sort of um, uh, a, a journey that was just great fun. And uh, and I guess what goes with winning is that players look at you differently and think, well, this guy's quite good now. And half of them are beaten before they started. And then further down the line, they're gunning for you. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget our bonus content, the 147, rounding up the week's snooker headlines in 147 seconds every Tuesday. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.